Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Smartwater. Not satisfied being like other brands, Smartwater looked up at the clouds and said, I wonder if we can one-up Mother Nature for a pure, crisper water. And guess what? They did. Smartwater, vapor distilled for purity, electrolytes for taste. Welcome to the Eater Upsell. This is Amanda Clute, Editor-in-Chief of Eater. I'm joined, as always, by star co-host Daniel Janine. I'm a, a star is born. A star is born. Are you going to see that movie? For sure I'm going to see that movie. I love musicals. Are you going to see the movie? Oh, yeah. Big time. Speaking of, well, I have absolutely no transition into food, but... <laughs> food stories! It's the Food Stories Day. Um, it is our favorite time of the month where we run down all of our favorite stories, and we attempt to uh, go back and forth on them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to talk about before we get in? Oh, we should remind people to subscribe to the podcast if you are not subscribed. Shoot us an email at upsell at eater.com. We've gotten some funny ones recently. And tell a friend about the show. If if you loll three times, then tell a friend about the show. Let's say if you smile twice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Wow. So not everybody's a laugh out loud type of person. But they might be but they might be like in the car and like, well, smile. Can I I I always ask like uh, I think the show is this show is funny, and I, I was like uh, I can't remember who I was asking, but I was like, "Isn't it a funny show?" And then my friend was, was like, some, no. one of my friends was like, "Oh no, it's great." I was like, "Isn't it funny?" Like laugh out loud, and he's like, "It's really pleasant." <laughs> <laughs> I would describe it as pleasant, but not funny. No, that's it's uproariously funny. Okay, <laughs> you listen to you be the judge, and you're just like <laughs> you hear me like crack up sometimes. Sure. All right, first story of the month: uh, a main restaurant wants to kill their lobsters humanely by getting them stoned first. Oh, right. What okay. do you think about this? I mean, just kill them. <laughs> you know? Okay. I, the real, I just, the real story for me kill here. Them. I think it's more about you than about them at this point. You know, you feel bad That's killing how I feel about them. everything. Like, the most humane way to kill a lobster is just spike it through the head with a knife. It's just that it sucks because then they're... Like, they go crazy. They're just flopping all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I think that is actually the most humane way to do it. Yeah, I think the conversation here is that nobody knows really what the most humane way is. I really do think it's just, like, into the brain. I mean, a shotgun blast or something would probably be more humane. Knife to the brain. Okay. So fast. Here's But, what... like, people put them in the <laughs> freezer. Boiling is probably the least humane. When I was doing prep when I was 15 years old, we used to put them all in the steam oven, like 100 of them. Mm-hmm. And we would just listen to them scream. But yeah. the screaming is actually coming from the steam exiting their their shell. It is not. They don't. They're not screaming. No, no, no. They're not screaming. If they could like scream, mice. they could talk. I guess. <laughs> well, you if you see a mice in a glue trap, that's that's some screaming. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> that, Lobsters, though, like, you know, you have them in the pot and they're like fighting to get out, <laughs> and it's more. And you hear the bubbling. So this woman, Charlotte Gill, has this. Uh, in Maine somewhere, it's like a little roads, it, very cute looking roadside mm-hmm. lobster shack. Uh, she's got a lot of things going on there. They have like a goat on a trampoline. What? Yeah, she's got uh, hula hoops while people wait. She has the option there for, <laughs> she'll, she has like a vegan option for vegans to adopt a lobster that they're about to kill. And she'll give it to them in a box that says like, I was saved or something, and then with instructions where to go release the lobster. Wow. Okay, so she's crazy. She's like, <laughs> the the thing that drives me nuts about this story is it went nuts. It like did did well online, but she is testing this theory by she hot boxed a lobster, one single lobster, mm-hmm. and her evidence, like the evidence that she used to prove that this theory of getting the lobster stoned worked, was that 
she hotboxed the lobster and then quote unquote watched it for a week and supposedly it didn't use its pincers. Like it was chill for a week. Okay. That's how she that's why she thinks that like getting lobster stone is the most humane way of killing them. It, do, it really doesn't compute for me. Nothing about this makes sense. I get it. If you want to get them real stoned right before the murder, mm-hmm. that seems to make some sense, you know? If I was going for an intense shiatsu massage or something, I might get a little stoned. And what is she doing? She's getting them stoned. She plans to get them stoned a week before killing them. Oh, and then kills them. And then mass get them mass stoned. I wouldn't want to be poisoned to death with drugs. I also don't want to be in a room filled with weed. Yeah, exactly. Knife to the head. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. It's not exactly a great surprise, but... It's not a great surprise, no, but... (laughs) It's the best way to go. That's how I want to go. Keep that in mind. Really? You don't want to like come into the upsell studios one day and it's just like filled with weed smoke. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're like, you what's going later? on? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> just want you to chill out. <laughs> For a week. <laughs> how much do you know about apple types? <laughs> do you know what a red delicious apple yeah, is? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So. Well, how does it, di- I don't. Is it different? It's different than a Macintosh. Yeah, I think so, actually. Is this crucial to this story? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You say Red Delicious, and I think of, like, waxy supermarket, like, kind of mealy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not actually good apple. Like, I don't think people like this apple. No, but what you got to know about apples is every apple serves its purpose. It's always like that apple you hate that you see Ina or something on TV being like, and you can only use this gross variety of red apple for this pie. No, that's all a lie. Okay, go on. You can use like all the apples. I mean, some are better in pies than others, but if you're making a pie, whatever you got around will function. Let's put a pin in the pie convo because I totally disagree. It depends what you're striving for in your pie. I'm just saying, like, they can all work. There's, if you want perfection, you go for the perfect thing for the perfect job, but I only cook work. to strive for perfection. That's okay, the that's, only reason I make right, things in right, the kitchen. Okay. I'm not right. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right about yourself. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I've been right today. Okay. So, red delicious apple, bad. Waxy, kind of mealy apples are, all, are never delicious yeah. to eat. There's not a lot of people defending the red delicious, but it is the most popular. My favorite part of the apple is the snap. They are snapless. Mm-hmm. Most popular apple in the country until now. What? Yes. Wow. Until now. The apple race I didn't know about? The apple race that we didn't know about. Here's another truth. I didn't know about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now it's the gala apple. Okay. I, I think that the trend in the apples that are the most popular is that I don't really know. You don't know what it is. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. If you told me that the next one was the... Uh, the governor's ball apple or something. I'd be like, Ooh. you don't know red. Do you, you know red? I know delicious? red delicious. Okay. I'm, I'm hamming it up. Okay. Do you know gala? I know that gala is another red apple, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like I feel like it's a little pinky, greeny red. The gala is the spa apple. Anytime you uh, yeah, you want to yeah, yeah. step up, pay the twenty dollars for the hotel's extra amenity room with the steam room, etc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is the apple that is sitting in the yeah, little bowl this is next the to the mini bottles of water in the bowl in the hotel. Yeah, hundred percent. The expert that the Times quotes in their story about it who's an Apple historian, his name is Tom Burford, mm-hmm. his theory is people, the consumers now have tried so many better apples that they're now turning away from the Red Delicious. Whereas before, maybe, I don't know, a decade well, ago. Well, the consumer has a preference now because they've sampled all the apples. How they've had their, like, often honey crisp does an like, apple historian minute. talk about Newton? 
<laughs> I don't know. Like, like is every he time? ever talking about Newton? Or? Maybe every time. Hmm. I don't know how often Apple historians get quoted. You know what? For me, these stories are, are really fun, but there's always there's always something kind of sad about them whenever whenever you really dig deep and, and, and start to learn about one of the farms producing red delicious apples mm-hmm. and it's like business is slowing and like their apple is no longer the favorite, those stories are always tragic. Especially when you when you know about that family, that farmer family. Although these, we're not even talking about- It seems about- like they've been having boom times for a long time though and they're still doing real well. So you're fine with some other new success story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I think that it is important with a story like this to, to say that we are not talking about any kind of heritage, grain, uh, little independent farm stand, Union Square, green market kind of apples. This is all industrial farming. Industrial apples. Can I read you some of the, the headlines Please. about this? Because yeah. everyone picked this up. Everyone picked? No. <laughs> Good riddance, red delicious apple. <laughs> yeah, I think we... Oh, Wall Street Journal, the, the countertake. The horror ahead if we topple the king of apples. What the what the what is the horror? <laughs> and then like all those vice type sites were just like fuck the red delicious. It's disgusting. Yeah, I mean that's the easy take, right? Yeah. The easy take that's the road that we didn't go down with this story is that it's not a delicious apple, and it's fun to shit on. And it's like how has society mm-hmm. put up with this apple for so long? I think we um, didn't cover it because there was nothing we could say about it. Mm-hmm. On site. Thank God we talked about it on the show. <laughs> well, I just wanted to share it with you. I thought you might be interested. Okay, Daniel. So we do have an update on a long-running story that was one of the biggest stories of September and kind of the biggest story of the summer. Hmm. Um, you remember Spotted Pig, Gabrielle Hamilton, yep. Ashley Merriman, Ken Friedman. A lot of players there. A lot of players. Arguably New York's most, one of New York's most iconic restaurants. Uh, yes. Do you want to give me some bullet points. Okay. So spotted pig owner Ken Friedman mm-hmm. accused of sexual misconduct last winter. He and his business partner and chef April Bloomfield split up in the spring. Uh, spotted pig, which was the real moneymaker of the group, is the restaurant that he got to keep and she took most of the rest of their whatever empire. There was a debate in the food world and on Twitter about what What's going to happen with this place? Can he just close it? He should just close it. Are people still going there? A lot of tourists were still going there. Um, And there's a question as to what would happen to it. Gabrielle Hamilton, widely respected chef and owner of Prune, uh, another New York restaurant that people love, uh, came out with a surprise announcement that she and her partner, Ashley Merriman, were going to team up with Ken. And she compared it to Jose Andres going in and solving a humanitarian crisis in Haiti or helping a humanitarian crisis in Haiti by her going in and helping save the culture of the pig. Right. Widely disparaged for this decision. People across social media, people who used to be friends of hers, people who supported her were all coming out against her for even considering this. I think what we said about it here was – or what you said was if she came out and just said, I want to make some money. This is a very profitable restaurant. Someone's going to make money from it, and it might as well be a lady. Yeah, if it were purely But she was like, I'm going to save Ken. Yeah. Yeah, this idea that she could save the culture and save Ken. Or if it was a process of her helping 
getting him to speak more about what he did and getting to forgiveness with his alleged victims. But mm-hmm. it wasn't like he wasn't at the front of it. He was not saying anything. It was just about her being like, I'm going to fix the place. It's also notable that in the New York Times piece that came out accusing Ken of, well, many things, uh, the center of all this like true wrongdoing was the third floor of the spotted pig that mm-hmm. is called the Red Room that people called the Rape Room. Yeah, and it's where Mario Batali was alleged to have done a lot of terrible things as well. So I think a lot of people would just like the restaurant to never exist again. Yeah. Um, no matter who owns it. But I think many others just think the least that could happen is Ken could divest and sell it to mm-hmm. Ashley and G- Gabrielle. Uh, anyway, September rolls around and they call the whole thing off. Yeah. Yeah, they make an announcement to the staff. They say the email is, subject line is true heartbreak. She writes, we felt we needed to be the actual owners and the final decision makers of the day-to-day decisions of the restaurant, and we couldn't make our case persuasively enough for Ken to agree to that. It's interesting because why even talk to the press before you have a deal? It seems like the deal didn't, happen the way they wanted it to happen but like just don't let anyone know (laughs) until you have a deal yeah keep it yourself uh what do you think they were do you think they were excited about it do you think that they thought the media would have a different reaction i think they were probably surprised at how fast people turned on them and how people didn't give them any benefit of the doubt but i also think they i don't know what they thought ken would do because if the deal didn't, like, I don't know the intricacies of the deal, but I don't know why they were so confident that they would be able to control this restaurant and that he would mm-hmm. cede to them. They're famous for their wide array of celebrity investors. So who knows what the ownership is? Spotted Pig. Yes. Yeah. Who, who knows what the ownership is like there? I think what seems so crazy is like what we said about Ken was they were, I mean, she was saying we're going to save him. And it, like, it felt like someone came in to kind of save him. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, who knows what their debate was. But if he's, if they were arguing over percentage points, it, it's, obviously it's easy for us to say. But, like, mm-hmm. take whatever. Like, give them whatever oh, yeah, they know. want. I, I mean, who knows what they were arguing about. Was he, like, trying to maintain majority ownership? I mean, that that obviously what is what it was. Right. He must be Absolutely well, unless the restaurant just continues to do really well. Which is a thing that we... And he thinks yeah. this will blow over. And the tourists will still go and he'll be fine. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll keep you updated on that. It's yeah. a fascinating one. We'll see if he finds any other uh, trendy chefs, trendy female or you know cultural leader chefs to bail him out. Well, I think the curious question for people in the food world is now how do they feel about Gabrielle? Because they were all so quick to say, oh, I'll never go to Prune now. I was already never going to Spot a Pig. And now I, you know, I'm so against her. Now that she backed out, do they not care? What do you, I mean, this is your call. (laughs) I mean, everybody's going to be different. I mean, I, I feel very conflicted about it. I would go to Prune. You love Prune. I love Prune. Yeah. I also... I don't think it necessarily extends to everything as well. Like, I want to read her memoir. I think she's a beautiful writer. I think she maybe made a mixed up decision and then made the right call at the end of the day. Uh, But like it or not, I feel like you are kind of in the position. Like, you 
you are the person who I would ask. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to be in this room asking you, right? <laughs> well, I think there are all kinds of people who get asked this and people have to decide how they feel. But yeah, I would go back to Prune and I will read Gabrielle's memoir. Well, would we have her on the show? Would we have her on the show? It's a good question. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, we'd have her on the show. I think there will be people, though, here who will be annoyed at us. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to yeah. it. Yeah, let's get around and talk about her memoir <laughs> and her and her decision to not work at the Spotted Pig. Dan, can you explain the watermelon ham to me? I've, like, vaguely seen it but have not super engaged because I don't want to. But I think at this point you might as well tell the world what this thing is and why it's so popular. Well, uh, as many of, of you remember, our friend Will Horowitz, who told the story on air about killing eels, he really wants to to change the conversation about like what is the centerpiece of a meal. He thinks that we are too reliant on meat mm-hmm. as our as the anchor to a to a feast. Yep. So he likes to smoke lots of different vegetables and uh, treat them as if they were meat. His latest innovation is a watermelon ham. Uh, it takes him a week to make, and when he slices into it, it looks a lot like steak. So this went crazy online. It went viral. It's you know hundreds of millions of views. It looks like a ham. But it's a watermelon. Yeah. So you eat it. Does it taste good? Does I haven't it, actually tried it. It's just like a smoky watermelon, right? I haven't tried it. The funny thing about this story is that he's super, he's kind of annoyed with it. Of course. This is what happens to anyone who does something that goes viral. He wanted. Except for those milkshake guys. I think they were just like, cha-ching. See, I disagree with you. I think, I think uh, 90% of our current viral things were are, intentional. Are, yeah, are, are manufactured. But you don't think there's. A moment afterwards where they're like, what have I done? With those guys specifically, with the giant milkshake guys, I don't think for a second that they are unhappy with it. They have no second thoughts. They're in airports now. They, right. they were, they're, they're slinging. They're loving their sling life. They're in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Will, is, Will Horowitz is, is, is annoyed by it because he's, he wants the idea of replacing protein to go viral, but he, Not he doesn't want the idea that, looks, that like it looks like a steak. Yeah. He also, the funny, the best part about this is it's such a pain in the ass for him to make. He can only make two or three a night. (laughs) And the quote, I actually wrote a story about this. The Mm -hmm. quote from him was that he's like, I don't want to open a fucking watermelon stand. Right. Which, I mean, watermelon restaurant or whatever. Uh, He can't capitalize on it. So he's getting all this attention for it. And he can't, he wants to just cash out on it and like keep moving. But now he has to keep But then do people show up and they're like, we don't have it, but... He's got, Can we interest you in all these other things and they stay? Or they're like, no, I only want the watermelon ham. So I, yeah, I mean, he says one thing and I'm not entirely sure. If, I don't, I think he's being generous to mm-hmm. his public. He has reservations for the ham for the next like three months. <laughs> he says that, that people are, you know, generous or, are open-minded when they come in for the ham, even if they have one of the reservations. Mm-hmm. And he says like, if it's a small party, if it's two people, he'll say, you can try our smoked uh, cantaloupe burger which is the same process, right? Which is the same taste, but it's just like a single dish. It's not the $80 watermelon ham. Is smoked fruit that appealing? So supposedly when you uh, when you smoke a fruit with a high water content, it'll dry out and it gets fibrous and meaty and like tenderizes in a, in mm. a meat-like way. I don't know. I haven't actually had any smoked fruit, so I'm not the one who should speak to this. Anyway, he says that people are open to trying the watermelon burger, but I know that Can't maybe that- Can't burger? The cantaloupe burger. I know that maybe that's one person, right? Mm-hmm. I think that all these influencers. But not like the elk sausages and the 
fish. This is his problem. People are there for the smoked watermelon ham. Mm-hmm. They're not there to experience what his, his point of view is. Thing. So he says that sometimes people will take the cantaloupe burger. But I know that all these people are like, are you kidding me? I've waited two months to get my Instagram of this watermelon ham. Give me the ham. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so that's the life he is living right now. Next up, Amanda, I must say that this is a segment that I am most excited for Ooh. today. Uh, I have two uh, titans of the culinary writing world, Robert Sitzma and Ryan Sutton, uh, two New York-based critics, mm-hmm. recently have both tried Shake Shack's new chicken nuggets. Uh-huh. Are they called chicken nuggets, Ryan? Uh Let's call them chicken nuggets. Okay, we'll call them chicken nuggets. They are, we'll they establish terms here. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> and and completely disagree on uh, on their on their quality. So, uh, Ryan, Ryan, do you want to maybe take it away and and let us know what you thought of the nuggets? Sure. Uh, I thought the nuggets were great. Uh, uh, I should start by saying from the outset that I am a noted and respected chicken nugget connoisseur. Uh, I've tried most every single version uh, in the country. I've written about them extensively. Uh, they are among my first culinary memories. I like to think of a McDonald's or Wendy's nugget as kind of like a, an original act of American charcuterie. Uh, it's, it's something that's not just simply fried. It's something that's processed and ground and formed together. Um, the ones at Shake Shack are a little less like that American charcuterie style you get at Wendy's or McDonald's. It's something a little bit more resembling like an actual piece of meat, which quite frankly, Frankly, most people would like. And what's even better about it is that it's uh, breaded and fried in such a way where it, it simply doesn't just resemble a, uh, a regular piece of meat. It actually resembles a piece of fried chicken. And the same couldn't be said about most nuggets, including its closest analog in the chicken nugget world, that of Chick-fil-A, wherein you, ha- wherein you have uh, breast meat that's been marinated, fried in peat and oil, and coated, but that's more of a shake-and-bake style. This style here at Shake Shack, you have a, a large, puffy, piece of, you know, exterior crust. It's craggy. It's golden. Is it perfect? No, but it's the closest you can come to actual meat and actual fried chicken in the chicken nugget world. And I think that's no small matter. Robert? <laughs> well, I think, it's a, I think it's a very, obviously, I think it's a very small matter. I think that these things were just awful. Uh, they were way too salty. Uh, they were squares of white chicken breast. You know, there were cubes of white, puffy, skinless, boneless chicken breast. And uh, the first thing I noticed about them when I bought bought them and carried them in my trembling hands to the table um, at the (laughs) experimental Shake Shack facility was um, I tried to dip dip one of them and the coating came off it. It fell off right into the the mediocre dipping sauce. Now, the dipping sauce is to digress for a second. There's two of them. One of them is mustard, and the other one is barbecue sauce. But both of them have a kind of a weird sour edge, like somebody spilled some funny chemical in there. So I've got to give Shake Shack further demerits for not coming up with, like, avocado <laughs> or something like that, uh, you know, or kale or some, you know, some other kind of dipping sauce. So anyway, hated the dipping sauce, hated the covering. If it's trying to be, to use Ryan's argument, uh, I love you, Ryan, but in this case, I completely disagree. I love you too, Robert. If you you are trying to achieve fried chicken status, why not eat a fucking piece of fried chicken? Why not just get the chicken (laughs) with the skin, which is the best part, which is missing in this case, you know, and with the bone in, so it has some flavor instead of tasting like Mm. an unsweet marshmallow. So are you anti-all nuggets? 
I am not anti all nuggets. Uh, I'm interested in Ryan's idea of American charcuterie. <laughs> but what's beautiful about the chicken McNugget uh, at McDonald's is it doesn't try to be like a piece of chicken. It tries to be like mm-hmm. some other alien entity that dropped out of the ass of some space creature. <laughs> well, Ro- Robert, I think first Ryan should address the the battle, right? <laughs> Well, well, yes, and and let the record state. I I think even though I I can't say uh, the McDonald's nugget is uh, one of the best things ever tasted. I, I think Robert and I can agree that uh, what makes it great in a certain way is that it's not trying to be something real. It's trying to be something man-made. It's trying to be something manufactured, and and therein lies the greatness. And therein also lies the extra challenge of Shake Shack to make fast food taste like real food, which has always been the challenge of fast food institutions. And in the sense that uh, Shake Shack has always had a burger that actually tastes like a burger. Mm-hmm. You can't say mm-hmm. that for McDonald's or many other places. That's why I think they're kind of up to the task. But you asked me specifically but about yeah, the batter. But you got to admit that, that the burger, that who cares about the burger? This is not the burger we're talking about. Of course, the pre- burger is fantastic. Everyone agrees. But it's, precisely, these nuggets but the, are just <laughs> inferior. Uh, the, the batter needs a touch of work. And as I wrote in my piece, uh, it does tend to fall off a touch. And I think there's a good reason for that, is that unlike other uh, fast food institutions, uh, these nuggets are fried to order. Uh, They're deep fried in canola oil, again, versus peanut oil for Chick-fil-A. They're served a little too hot. They're served a la minute. And I think if they let them cool down just a little bit, as I did while I was eating them on one of the tables made from reclaimed bowling (laughs) lanes, which I think is quite odd and very, they're they're trying very hard to be West Village and they're, they're, they're trying very hard to honor uh, the memory of the space by being experimental. This used to be Thomas Keller's old Raquel space where he had he ran his experimental restaurant in the 1980s. Um, but I, I think if they if they let the nuggets cool off a little bit, like I did, uh, I find that they have a little bit fuller well, I, texture. I, yes, I, I believe that they should have had these nuggets perfected before they foisted them off on the unsuspecting public. Uh, but I have one more question for you, Robert. Uh, you were speaking ill of the lack of skin on these nuggets, uh, as well as the fact that there were probably made from uh, a little bit of breast meat. Uh, what do we think of, um, say, point of, the... Point of order there. Um, I did not say... I said that the skin is such a wonderful thing that that's why one might choose to eat a piece of fried chicken rather than a nugget. Obviously, a nugget doesn't have any skin. It's supposed to be like the blandest, stupidest thing in the world. Right, but we also have, you know, m- you know, many great uh, culinary cultures that choose... Uh, not to use the skin on a, a chicken breast. And I think of uh, the great cultures of and diverse cultures of the South Asian subcontinent where it's not uncommon, at least to the best of my knowledge, to remove the skin on a chicken breast uh, before searing it in that blazing hot uh, uh, oven known as the tandoor. Um, and what am I supposed to say to that? Yes, <laughs> it is well, possible I mean, to take. Yeah, it, but they all go. Oh, go ahead, Amanda. I was going to ask what you guys think of the fuku nugs, not to totally derail this. But they have a good sauce. Uh, they have a really good sauce uh, called fuku sauce, which is kind of David Chang's Sam sauce, house made. Yeah, Sam sauce. Uh, forgive me. Uh, has house made kind of uh, analog Korean analog uh, to uh, sriracha sauce. Uh, it's a little bit spicy, uh, but less spicy than sriracha. Uh, it has a in, uh, intense savoriness, uh, a little bit more sugary than sriracha, and it's quite good. And uh, I think Robert, uh, I think you would like fuku nuggets if you haven't tried them because they're made from uh, dark meat. Uh, they don't have that same kind of golden cragginess uh, as they do at Shake Shack, uh, and the skin, however, uh, doesn't fall off as easily. So perhaps uh, you would prefer those uh, to the ones that I'm touting from Shake Shack. Doubtlessly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, I, I don't know if we fully addressed 
like, is it possible you guys had two different batches? Be- or, or Ryan, what do you? How do you respond to the 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 skin or the the batter falling off? Was your batter also falling off, or or letting it cool? He said it his, his it was falling. It off. was falling off, and I and I let it cool. And uh, uh, oh, I, no, I know, but when you ate them, it was not falling off. It was falling. Well, off. it fell off in my mouth as my tongue pressed against the the skin and separated it, like I do with cherry. I don't know. Um, <laughs> too, much, too much info. Too much information. Too, too uh, much information. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, these nuggets can be better, but I, I think they are uh, near best in class. And the issue of the skin falling off uh, is not. It should not be a terribly complicated. Uh, fix. As I said, as you let it cool, things get better. And remember, this is the, uh, just as Thomas Keller's Raquel uh, was an experimental <laughs> Thomas Keller's restaurant. <laughs> no, Shake Shack no, was... no, 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 no. You're not going to compare <laughs> Shake Shack. No, but I'm, I'm saying restaurant. Uh, I am comparing it to a serious restaurant because it, it, it has inherited that space. And just as Thomas Keller's Raquel was uh, an experimental kitchen, uh, Shake Shack West Village is Shake Shack's officially innovation kitchen. And it's used as a testing ground for uh, spreading out their wares uh, across the country. Uh, this Shake Shack nugget has not yet de- debuted nationwide. They're simply testing it out here, and as they begin to perfect it, which I have no doubt that they will, uh, they will uh, increase uh, its supply uh, to Shake Shacks across the country at this billion-dollar burger chain. Oh, I have no doubt that they have a, a cunning strategy all laid out, uh, keynoted with your intemperate praise of these horrible nuggets. <laughs> but all I can say is, uh, is if this kitchen is as experimental in a wonderful sort of way as Chipotle's kitchen over there on 6th Avenue, where they made this just absolutely horrible queso, and who can screw up queso? You know, it, They screwed it, it, it up. It's, it's evil, evil geniuses laughing at their deeds. Uh, you know, I mean, these nuggets are dumbed down for the the portion of the population with the least interest in eating good food. And uh, and you've fallen into their snare, I'm afraid. Well, but on that note, I think we're going to agree that these critics disagree. Mm-hmm. Which and is one of the best parts of Eater, right? Yep, because We don't all have to be on the same page about everything. But I am going to go try these nuggets now. I'm a big fan of the Fuku nuggets. Fuku nuggets are really good. I think you might prefer those to these, but I think they're both worth a try. I'll try them, but I prefer bone in my chicken. Yeah, yeah. You should just go have oh, fried chicken. I, I deserve an actual piece of chicken. You, a des- you deserve thing. a real drumstick. And and one of a, if yeah. I can, you know, one more quick thing. One, <laughs> one great thing about the, the the fuku nuggets is that if you're opposed to dipping, you can now get nugget dusts. Uh, on them, uh, wherein the nuggets are pre-flavored. You can get them with Whoa. jalapeno dust and, and, and what have you. So it's something to think sounds about. Sounds carcinogenic. Well, thank you both so much. Uh, yes. I hope, for my own uh, my own selfish interest, I hope that we have plenty more disagreements about uh, <laughs> ideally chain rest, the food coming from <laughs> famous chain restaurants. I hope so, too. <laughs> thank you for inviting us. <laughs> Thanks, okay. guys. Robert, are you thank standing you. in a shower yeah. right now? I am. And I'm going <laughs> to turn on the water as soon as I hang up. Bye. Bye. Enjoy. What is great food without great sound to match? Upgrade your home with Sonos Beam, the new smart, compact soundbar, and get unbelievable sound for TV, music, and more. Immerse yourself in a movie while indulging in some popcorn or pair dinner with a playlist. Sonos works with all your favorite streaming devices, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, etc. Seriously, you name it, it works. 
Controlling Beam is easy with the Sonos app, your TV remote, AirPlay 2, or just your voice. Amazon Alexa is built right in. All Sonos speakers work great together so you can add more to your sound system whenever you're ready. Get rear surrounds or connect speakers in other rooms of your home. Start your sound system today. Go to Sonos.com now to get your Beam for just $399. Amanda, you know what's not smart? What's not smart? Going for lunch at the same time as everyone else in the financial district because you have to line up for like 40 Ever. minutes. You feel like an office drone and you wonder what you're doing with your life. You know what is smart? Going, well, Waiting until two things are o'clock. smart. <laughs> going to, going, yeah, going at 1130-ish or even two. Yeah, yeah, 11.30 or 2, those are the prime times. And ZipRecruiter. And that's another smart thing. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get quality candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. For free. At ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-A-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Sure is. Dan. Yeah? <laughs> Have you ever done a bone lose shot? No, but... Uh, it's really? A... Yeah, no. I, I was expecting a different answer. You were expecting me to have a bone lose shot. Let's tell... Amanda Clute, could you describe to the listeners what a bone luge shot is? Sure. It is <laughs> when you have bone marrow, very trendy dish like eight years ago. Ouch. Uh, you eat the bone marrow, and then you pour a shot down the empty bone into your mouth. Yeah. It's, so you get like the little pieces of meat. It's like deglazing a pan. To me, it's the frattiest thing in the world. There's nothing more like carnal and broy than combining booze with meat, like in the same vessel. Yeah, I have done some boneless shots in my day, ah! but back in 2011, which I feel like was when it was this trendy thing among food world people. It was stupid. No one should have done them. Mm-hmm. And now it's becoming trendy again, and it's stupid now. It's worse. Tell me about your about a bone lose shot experience. I went to a restaurant called Wildebeest in Vancouver. Mm, good and it name. Was, it was on the menu with sherry. It was fucking delicious. I do appreciate. I like alcohol consumption innovation. I will say <laughs> that. That's fair. Are you grossed out by the bone marrow uh, mixing in with the alcohol? No, especially with sherry. It's a good. It's a good counterpart. Yeah, it's like cranberries and foie gras. Yeah. Uh, I think just the act of it is makes you look stupid. What, you think people should be doing it in private? No. (laughs) It should be seen doing that now. I I hate things like this that are just further imposing the will of humans. Like, the animal has lost the battle. You know? Mm -hmm. I feel like doing a bone marrow, a bone loose shot is... Sacrilege? Well, it's just like... It's like killing the animal and then driving a flag in it. Be like, this is mine. Flaunting the bones. Yeah. You don't like that? <laughs> I mean, like eat your bone marrow and just be respectful. You know, thank thank the animal for sacrificing its Should it be like inner... Ortolan where you cover your face while you do it so God doesn't see you? <laughs> I think that's terrible too. I think that is too far the other direction. Okay. Do it or don't do it. If I put up a uh, an Instagram story of uh, – doing a bone lose shot this weekend. And what oh my you, God, I hope this happens. What are you going to say? 
I'm gonna be so happy. <laughs> you would just be straight happy. Yes. You think that's like, so on went, brand for me, right? Went through with it. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised you hadn't done one. Megan McCarran is on the line. Hey, Megan. Hey, Dan. Megan, big news with Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz this month concerning barbecue. Can you break it down for us? So nothing could be more important to Texas than this very intense Senate race that's been playing out over the, you know, over a year at this point, And also, of course, barbecue. Um, so it, it's sort of about Beto and barbecue. Really, it's more about what Ted Cruz says about Beto and barbecue. Beto has not really responded to this in any way. Uh, but at a campaign sort of event uh, just south of San Antonio, Ted Cruz um, joked that if, you know, a Democrat were elected, you know, to the Senate seat, by which he meant Beto, Democrats would, would ban barbecue. Uh, no more barbecue in Texas was sort of the gist of this joke. Is this just a weird non sequitur made by someone who's like, campaigning and I'm sure he just has to say things that might be funny all the time. Yes. But it's really interesting because this idea of like barbecue being our like Texas value and Texas values being Republican values is very loaded and like really intense in the state. And like this remark sort of set off this internet conversation about like Oh, Ted Cruz says Democrats are going to ban barbecue. He's so dumb. And then Ted Cruz's campaign saying like it was a joke. You're so dumb. And it's just really a good way to like push everybody's emotional buttons when it comes to food and when it comes to politics. So here's the context. Mm-hmm. Outside of Ted Cruz's campaign event, for reasons I am not sure, there were PETA protesters. And these PETA protesters were actually trying to reach Texas Republicans and convince them that Tofu and soy products are actually important Texas foods. Texas grows soy. You know, they could also embrace PETA's radical vegan lifestyle. Did they expect to be effective? I don't think so. Maybe it was just a good piece of trolling. It certainly got a response, so I guess it worked. Um, and so Chris's joke was sort of like, look at these PETA protesters outside. You know, that's what the Democrats want. They want us all to just eat <laughs> tofu. So Peter's Peter's not doing Beto any favors here. No, Peter Peter really doesn't do anyone any favors with their messaging. <laughs> it's sort of the story of um, You know, many things that I'm sympathetic to Peter has ruined for me. But um, you know, yeah, and I should say here that these Peter demonstrators were in no way associated with Beto's campaign. Uh, and so far, the other sort of culinary touchstone of the Texas Senate race is Whataburger. Beto is famously a huge Whataburger fan. Skateboards in the parking lot, you know, air drums in the drive-through, you know, is always visiting Whataburger. And the last insult the Cruz campaign tried on Beto was to call him a triple meat Whataburger liberal. And that one makes even less sense. (laughs) Like, what is he trying to say? That he eats cheap food? No. So Dan Solomon, who's a columnist for Texas Monthly, really went deep on this particular Whataburger insult. And the best theory he could come up with was Cruz was trying to either say that Beto is sort of like overstuffed and like, 
you know, his head's full of meat and not values. Or mm. he was trying to sort of say, like, limousine liberal, you know? Like, mm. he's a liberal, mm. but he can afford the triple, triple burger beef. at whatever. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, he gets he gets all the meat. Right. And now with this PETA thing, he's trying to emasculate him by saying, oh, it's going to be like tofu burgers when the Dems win. Megan, are you saying, are you implying that Republicans like Ted Cruz are willing to say, are willing to go in both directions, that someone is simultaneously a vegan and ordering a huge burger and just going with whatever works? Uh, you know, Dan, I think that that is certainly what characterizes this string of strange food insults in the Texas Senate race. But yeah, obviously the triple meat Whataburger thing made zero sense. And But by implying that Democrats would ban barbecue, it is tying into like, you know, this whole sort of orchestra section of dog whistles, um, you know, all of them shrilly going at once about what it means to be American and what it means to be a Texan and, you know, tying that into what it means to be a Republican. Um, you know, the Republican Party sort of famously their strongest appeal is to white men. Um, that is definitely true in Texas. And there is this sort of idea that, like, you know, men eat meat, men eat red meat in Texas. That is men eat barbecue. You know, every football game mm-hmm. is preceded by these, like, truly glorious tailgates. Um, and the rise in popularity of Texas barbecue within the state and then now nationally and internationally is almost entirely driven on the brands of like these sort of white male pitmasters and white owned barbecue joints. That is not the actual story of Texas barbecue. Uh, there's Tex-Mex barbecue. Uh, there's really important black barbecue traditions in the state. But the story of Texas barbecue is sort of like this white male art and privilege and now many of these people i don't know how they vote it hasn't really been politicized before um but by sort of sticking you know i think when you're making weird political jokes and insults you want to kind of like find the most emotional thing to you know whatever socket you can stick your finger into and barbecue is a very loaded one around masculinity so yeah it's a way of you know PETA sort of created this opening for Ted Cruz to be like, Beto O'Rourke isn't a Texan and he's certainly not a man because he loves tofu and he would ban barbecue. So not only is barbecue masculine, but it's like and tough and important to the state, but then it's under so under attack that it could be outlawed and replaced with tofu. It's like a very strange and contorted um, way of looking at food and i think it just says a lot about politics and texas politics in 2018 well joke is on cruise because beto had a hundred barbecue events statewide in a single day so Correct. that guy that guy likes his barbecue and his and his whataburgers well megan as always thank you so much for thank you the download of course thank you guys happy to always be on the upsell Thanks so much for listening to the Eater Upsell. Uh, if you liked it as much as we liked sitting in this room together for a long time, then please, how Subscribe. much is that? How much, how much do we like sitting in the same So same? much. Do we? Yeah. Always? I mean, I'm hungry, but, but <laughs> usually. It's the best part of a week. Yeah. Um, if you liked it as much as we liked um, 
sitting Making in this room. It. Yeah. Then please send it off to a friend, subscribe to it, do all the things that help podcasts grow. Oh, you know what I just learned? What'd you do? You can find podcasts in Spotify and then share them on Instagram stories. Yeah. So try that. That's fun. Yeah. So do that. Do all the things and check us out next week where we will do something else. What do you think we're going to do next week, Amanda? Ooh, great question. Yeah. Uh, a little backstory into the show. We figure it out. As we be- go. At the beginning of most weeks, sometimes later in the week. But it's really just a two-man operation Oh, maybe here. sushi? Two-man woman. Maybe we'll talk op- about sushi? Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll talk about sushi. Maybe we can keep sushi. talking about apples? Let's do the apple. Let's talk to the apple expert. Great.